Hi, my name is Jair Sandoval. I go by Jay. And I'm Kay Sandoval. Um, before we got married, we actually became pregnant with our first son, uh, Alexandre. And um, we had a lot of people around us who um, had a lot of opinions on the matter. And obviously we um, had a lot of uh, confusion in that time. Um, a lot of people recommended that we get an abortion and um, saying that we weren't ready because we were so young at the time, we were only 20 years old. Um, but God spoke to us in that season, even in our faults and our sin and said, hey, I'm gonna work this out. And we ended up having our first son. We got married at a really young age at 21 years old and had our second son. And after that, it just seemed like things were really challenging for us as a young couple. We didn't know how God was gonna work that out. Uh, we've, we've got married so young and without experience, I didn't know how to be a real husband or real man in that situation. And so um, I was living kind of a double life where, you know, I wasn't honest with her and she found out the truth. She said, hey, I don't know you. And in that time of darkness, um, I remember praying to Jesus and saying, hey, Jesus, if you're really real, like change my life completely, like come into my life and, and change me as a person. I have so many addictions that I had. Um, and I knew uh, that he was real within that week that I made that prayer. Um, I started to see changes in my life. Um, my addictions were gone. I remember going to a group of friends that I used to hang out, that I played soccer with. They hadn't seen me in a long time and they noticed something different. They said, hey, yeah, you're, you're not the same person. And it just became so real to me that Jesus is real like he does change when he says i will make you give your new heart and you are a new creation in me it is completely real um and i also saw in her parents a love that i never seen before throughout the hurt that i've heard her um throughout the pain that i put their daughter through they came to me and their love like i've never experienced anything like that they forgave me instantly tears were coming out of my eyes because i was saying hey sorry for hurting your daughter and he looked at me and I, he said, I know you're a changed man. I know that you will be a good man. And um, from there, my faith just skyrocketed and it just took off. And ever since I've been in love with Jesus. God had a plan in all of that that we didn't really see in the beginning, but he's very, very faithful. And Jesus has healed our marriage. He's made it wonderful. This guy is my best friend. And she's my best friend. So we love fun. our kids and we have fun fishing in the summer. and. When we look back, we see that God had a plan in all of it, and um, now we enjoy our little family, and yeah. Jesus was really, really faithful in that. Wow, what a, an amazing story. I love those guys, and I love what God is doing. Happy Valentine's Day to you. Happy Snow Day, right? Uh, I pray and trust that you are all cozy and you know maybe by a fire, wrapped up in a blanket. Uh, and we're excited to talk about marriage on this Valentine's Day. So as we go into a, a sermon, a message on marriage, I want to say this, that it is a sermon, a message for everyone. Because uh, many of you are in a marriage. Many of you will be or want to be in a marriage. But all of us have influence on marriage, whether it's friends or families, that we have the privilege and the opportunity to be so close that we get to speak into it. So I invite everybody into this message on marriage. Now, we have a, a serious problem with marriage. 
First of all, we have a society that is trying to redefine, disrespect, disregard the biblical truths about marriage. But we also have a generation that is losing confidence in this God-ordained institution of marriage. Years ago, we'd often talk about the divorce rate being over 50%. Well, did you know the divorce rate for the last 10 or 15 years has actually dropped? It would look like it's gotten better. It's not good news because of this loss of confidence. What is happening, people do not trust the institution of marriage, and so they're waiting a lot longer to marry and many people are just choosing to live together and never marry because they do not trust the institution of marriage. So church, we have a responsibility to model and to teach what healthy, what a godly marriage looks like. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to step in and we're going to talk about marriage. And this message is called Sailing the Seven Seas to a Healthy Marriage. And I am joined today with our marriage ministry team right back here. Excited to have them here. And what I love is they don't get on the stage and speak very often. Um, but don't worry. Look at this picture. We practice and we prepare those wooden spoons that you are seeing. <laughs> those are their pretend microphones. So we had a good time getting ready for this because this message is important. And this is an amazing resource that we have at North Shore our marriage ministry team. So I want to start with prayer. And while I'm praying, will you turn to Genesis chapter 2? We're going to start with the first marriage in the Garden of Eden. Let's pray. You go to Genesis 2. Father God, we love you. I pray that you would speak to us through your word today, uh, through the practical experience and knowledge uh, that each of us have had as we point to you, uh, the author of love and marriage. We love you and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to start by reading Genesis 2, starting in verse 18. And this is Adam in the Garden of Eden, okay, by himself. God has created. He's given him a job to do. And it's going to go into the first wedding, the first marriage. Let's read. Genesis 2, starting in verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that a man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock, to living creatures, oh, to the birds of the heavens, to every beast of the field. But for Adam... There was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made it into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. Because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. 
A great scripture. So the first marriage, and we're going to walk through these seven C's, and the first one we're going to look at is connection. I want to give you an analogy, okay, is when they build a ship, they take multiple parts, bring it together, and connect it so that it will be one, so that it can do everything that it was designed to do. Without those strong connections, that ship is in real trouble. The same is true in marriage. As we look at Genesis 2 and this first marriage, we see some connection points that are important to strengthen and solidify a marriage. The first connection is chemistry. We see Adam was alone, and God brought to him Eve. And what we see, he actually, most likely, sings a Hebrew poem. It says, at last, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. He is attracted. He is drawn to her. There's a chemistry that he did not share with those animals. But the bad thing about chemistry and that connection, it will lie to you. It masquerades as love. So other connections need to go along with it. So the second connection is friendship. Eve was like Adam. He could speak to her. He could enjoy her company. They could do things together. They were friends. And friendship is where you will spend the most time in your marriage. So it is a critical connection point. Friendship has to be strong. The next connection is partnership. See, Eve was like Adam, but she was different. She was different. And so she could speak into him. God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I'm going to make him a helper. So she came into the place to help this man to speak into him, to give him advice, to help him where he was weak. Now, think of that verse in Proverbs. As iron sharpens iron, so another man sharpens another man. So what that means is you've got these two like things coming against each other to stimulate growth. And that's what partnership is. Someone not like us, different, to help us grow, to speak into the blind spots in our lives. So it's a partnership. But as Genesis goes along and you go to chapter 3, something enters in and begins to break these connections. And that something is brought by the serpent, Satan, and that's sin. Sin comes in and it breaks the relationship, separates man from God and then man from one another. They're ashamed. They cover themselves. But in Genesis 3.15... God promises, I'm going to deal with this brokenness and this separation. And he promises Jesus Christ that he will come and his heel will bruise that serpent. He will destroy the work of Satan on the cross through his shed blood, through his burial and resurrection. And he's going to restore the relationship with God and man. And so that we get to come back through Jesus into the love that God has for us. And we can have that love wash over us, transform us, change us so that we can love another person, our spouse. 
with God's sort of love. And see, Scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians 4 that we are, are maturing and growing day by day. So this journey of growing in God's love is a day-by-day renewing. And as, as we grow in Christ, what happens is it strengthens every connection that we need so that we can be one and experience everything in our marriage that God has for us. So Jesus is a foundation to a marriage. If you're going to have a godly marriage, you're going to experience everything that God has for you. So as we secure our marriage, the next thing I want to look at, I just want to touch on it, is preparing your marriage. Preparing for the voyage ahead. And it starts with character. Proverbs 11.3 talks about integrity. Character is the honesty that you bring in to the marriage relationship. See, you have to know who you are. And then you have to be honest with that, with the other person. The good things and the things that you're still working on. Because here's why. And give an example. I've done a lot of marriage counseling uh, with people. And I find this common story is years after marriage, the marriage is being stretched and strained. And we start talking. We find out, oh, there's anger issues. Oh. They talk to me this way. They say these things. And I start asking them, okay, when did this start? And oftentimes you find out that the person struggled with anger issues way before they were married, but because in the courtship and the honeymoon period, they pushed it, squashed it down. And now this marriage has to deal with it, but it didn't even know that it was ever going to have to deal with it. So it's after the fact, they wrestle with it. So character is bringing honesty of who you are, the good and the bad. So as somebody starts considering you, they consider the real you. The next thing is change. We see in Genesis 2, verse 24, uh, there's a call to leave father and mother. And the two become one. So what it is saying, there is going to be a change that's going to happen. You are going to have to change if you're going to enter a marriage. You can't stay the same. Impossible. But the mindset you need to have is you have to be the one that changes. You cannot enter to the marriage expecting the other person to change, or someday they might change. No, you have to say, I am going to change. God, help me to change to be the person that can bring health into this relationship. What Adam didn't do when God brought Eve to him, he didn't say, wow, at last, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Hey, um, God, could you have her talk just a little less? Could you have her maybe... um, pick up her, her dirty clothes before she, would you do that? And then it should be perfect. Great first step, God. No, what Adam did was I receive her just as you created a gift from heaven to me. And each of you have to enter into your relationship. You have to change into who God wants you to be for the relationship. And you have to accept your mate as God gifted her to you or him. And the last thing is commitment. Matthew 19, right? It says that God hates divorce. And here's why he says it. He says it because he hates the pain. That scripture does not say God hates divorcees. This is not at people. It's at something that breaks the hearts of his sons and daughters. And God cares about that. And so what he's speaking in there, he goes, 
yeah, there's going to be divorce. It's going to happen. And if you've been through a divorce, I love you. We're with you. We're going to pray with you and for you. Um, but he doesn't wish that because it breaks the hearts, not only of the married couple, but their family and their friends. And so what happens is it helps us not go through the hurt when we can take the word divorce out of the equation right up front. I can say this to my wife, Sandy. I think she's watching right now. Uh, this last breath uh, will be her husband. I will die the husband of Sandy. Divorce, I'm going to walk through anything, right? Because my commitment is not to her. It's to God, and it's his love working in me. So there's no thing that she can do that I will ever walk away because my commitment's to God. And what happens in that is it builds security in the relationship, right? So that my wife, your spouse, can actually be free to walk through and navigate the, the hard roads, the good roads, because they're not worried about, uh-oh, they're going to divorce me. They're going to break their commitment. So I've got to perform at a certain level, act a certain way. No, I get to be free to be me because my covenant is with God and it will not be broken. And so you're going to get the best experience, the true and full person, when they know that they are secure in your marriage. So those are the things that we have to do preparing for the trip. Our marriage team is going to lead us through the things that we have to do daily to navigate marriage. Kyle, will you share with us, brother? Thank you, Scott. I want to begin with uh, a brief introduction of myself. I'm Kyle, my wife, Nikki Kennedy. Uh, we are uh, leaders with the marriage ministry, and we have two daughters, Madeline, who's 16, and Michaela, who turns 13 next month. And over the past 19 years, uh, we've learned a lot about the importance of good communication, uh, which is the next C in this series, uh, Navigating Your Marriage. So I want to start by asking everybody to open their Bibles to Ephesians 4.29 or read along on the screen, which says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only what is good for building up, as fit for the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And we don't use the word corrupting talk so much anymore, but uh, think of it as detrimental or unwholesome words that you use towards your spouse. Right, this verse speaks to us as married couples and as those in a relationship. How do we speak with our spouse and the things that we are to do when we communicate with each other? We're talking about using kind words and having patience with one another, giving grace. So I want to talk about a really simple example, the garbage in the kitchen. And I might say something to Kyle like, the garbage in the kitchen is really full. And of course, I think, well, if the garbage in the kitchen is full, I better go find a different one in the house somewhere. But I'm not sure that's exactly what she meant to say. No, that's not what I meant to say. And I could get upset at the situation and think, why isn't he taking the garbage out? But instead, I have patience. And I think about what I said and realize I didn't tell him exactly what I needed. What I needed was, would you please take the garbage out in the kitchen? It's full. And you would say, of course I'd take the garbage right, out. Because he's awesome. So. <laughs> so there's other types of communication that we might experience as a couple. 
For example, if I have a stressful day at work and I come home and I just want to share what happened during the day. There's a lot that's been going on and I just want to talk about it. I want to just get it off my shoulders and I want to release all of that stress that I had earlier in the day. And I'm just venting. I'm not looking for solutions. I'm not looking for a fix. I just want to tell him what's happened during the day. And that's very different from me. If I have a stressful day, uh, it's usually because there was some problem that I couldn't resolve or uh, I want to bring that conversation up to my spouse and I want to ask for help. I want somebody to fix it. I'm looking for a solution uh, that I can apply the next day. Right. And so sometimes talking with our spouse, it's like speaking in a foreign language, right? We, we each have different ways of speaking to each other and it's our job and our commitment to learn the other's language so that we can communicate with one another. Right, and in that there are a, a couple different types of our styles of speaking. You have the direct speaker and you have the indirect speaker. And the direct speaker typically uses very little details or only the details needed to convey the idea. They're straight to the point. They're the type of person or, or communication style where they just want to land the plane. Right? None of the other things matter at that moment. The indirect speaker is somebody who is going to paint the picture. They're going to bring you into that situation. They're going to uh, basically take you on a journey. And you're going to understand how they feel, the details, their emotions. It's going to be a very vivid uh, communication style. And, and both styles are valid and, and very uh, important given that situation and, and can sometimes go back and forth uh, for that individual. And we have two ways of saying that to, our, to each other when we're telling a story. Like, do you want the short story or do you want the long story? Yeah, that gives us an opportunity to, to understand what it is we're in for. And sometimes we'll jump straight to the point and sometimes we'll take each other on a journey depending on what the other person said. So neither person feels upset because that style didn't fit with what I was ready to receive. Um, but there's one speaking style that I didn't hear you say, and uh, that's intuitive speaking. That's where he just should know oh, what I was thinking. Oh, that's where I read your mind. Yeah. <laughs> right, that's yeah. where you read my mind. So, so uh, it's the least effective form of communication, I think. So I want to ask all of you today, do you know your spouse's or significant other's style of communication? And are you ready to receive that from them? I also... Uh, want to ask if you have been prepared for the trials in life that will inevitably occur during your lives together. And that reminds me of a situation uh, where you baptized me with orange juice. Do you remember that? <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. Uh, so I'm going to ask everyone a question. I just want to set the stage here a little bit. Who here has ever hosted a very large Thanksgiving event? Lots of people, okay. Anybody ever attended a large Thanksgiving event? Okay, so most of us have been to Thanksgiving and we understand there's a lot going on. There's lots of people, there's lots of preparation. So this was early in our marriage. Our daughters that we just spoke of who are beautiful and half grown. Anyway, they were really little and they were running around in their twirly dresses and it was early in our marriage so we hadn't done this before. We hosted about 20 plus family and friends for Thanksgiving. And it was a really big deal. 
right? And if you know Nikki, you know that she had all the details figured out. We had the china set. We had the, uh, everything was arranged. All the last details were uh, um, decided and, and figured out. And people were coming over, and I thought, well, I'm going to keep them out of the kitchen. I'm going to entertain them. We're going to share stories, what they'd been up to over the last week or two weeks, and, and I would share the same with them and make them comfortable. And we were having a really great time. Yeah, and I was getting exhausted and mad. I was just so tired. I had worked so hard on this event. I had done all the planning. I'd done all the shopping. I'd done all the prep. I'd done a majority of cleaning of the house. And if you know what it's like to have little kids around, that was really hard to maintain for everyone to come over. I'd even gotten up crazy early to put the turkey in the oven. Like, I was, I was just done. And so it was finally time to sit down and have our dinner. Right, and so we sat down. I remember the table was set. All the food was perfectly arranged. And we had that typical conversation you have every year. You say, well, do we pass to the left or do we pass to the right? And, and, and everybody was finding their seats. And, and we were, uh, the food was going around and enjoying our, our uh, conversation there. And I asked Nikki, I said, would you pass me the orange juice? And of course, sure, you know, so she reaches across a table, grabs the orange juice, and what did I know? She's taken the pitcher and dumps <laughs> it over my head. <sighs> Clearly, we were not communicating that yeah, day. I did that. I can't believe it now when I talk about it. <laughs> and, you know, here's the thing. I didn't share with him what I needed. I shared, I, I said all the things that I was doing, but I never once said, would you please help me? with the things that I have to do for this day. I'm really having a lot of stress right now. I just didn't share that with him. That's right, I thought you were venting, right? <laughs> and so we didn't create that level of understanding of what each other needs, and, and I didn't understand your needs. Right, that's right. So <laughs> we've shown a number of ways of communicating and how that's looked for us in our marriage and how it probably looks for some of you in your relationships in your marriage. And it all comes down to a verse that's really special to us. Uh, this was used in our marriage ceremony. This is 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 5. And God tells us right, right off the bat in this verse, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. Here's the deal. Marriage is hard, but when we speak in love, as God tells us in this verse, our communication doesn't have to be. Thank you. And with that, I would like to turn your attention over to the Angulos, who are going to take us through the next C, cultivation. Thank you, Kyle and Nikki. That was great. Um, we are going to talk about cultivation, which is the C number six. And, uh, well, we are Ivan and Marcela Angulo. Uh, we've been married for 24 years. In April is going to be our uh, anniversary. So next year is going to be 25 years. Um, we've been married for over half of our lives already. We have two young daughters as well. They are 21 and 18. One of them is getting married this summer. Um, and we've been attending North Shore for about 10, 12 years now, and we are very passionate about marriage. And our first language is Spanish, in case that you don't, cap, you don't uh, caught that during our conversation here. 
Um, so why cultivation is important? Mark 4.20 says, Others, like seed sown in good soil, heard the word, accepted, and produced a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times. When we have a heart, a hardened heart, there's our, the fruit that God wants to produce in our lives is just not going to be there. So we have to cultivate. We have to go deep into our heart. We have to ask God through his word, through his spirit, through other people to break that, to break it down so we can take those roots that are not helping or that hardness of the soil. So, so the fruit, that the, the seed that is planted through the word, through classes, through the Holy Spirit speaking in us, so that can grow. There are things uh, um, that we have been through, in, as you can imagine, in 24 years. And there are three things that we want to share with you specifically. Uh, these key lessons have been uh, instrumental in cultivating our marriage. The first one I want to talk about is that we are, it was my, under, you know, I had to really understand this one. We are not competing against each other. And in my life, you know, as a young boy, um, I've been a very competitive guy, you know, sports, board games, you know, you can ask my daughters and all other friends how I am monopoly, you know, I'm very competitive. Um, but when I bring that attitude into my marriage, that hurts our marriage. So when I refer to Ephesians 5:25 and 26, the Bible says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing it with water through the word. And maybe, you know, competitive, obviously we can play board games and we are going to be competitive, of course. But when in, in little details like, you know, I'm, I know you more than you know me, and, and not in a, you know, in a positive uh, attitude, I do more for this marriage than you do for our marriage. I make more money than you do, and therefore I contribute more. That is not cultivating our marriage. That is hurting it. And at the beginning of our marriage, I realized that, and I, I noticed how hurtful that was being to our relationship. We're a team. We're supposed to work together, not against each other. So that's why, for me, competing against each other is something that I needed to take care of at the beginning. Um, the next item or the next topic within this uh, cultivation content is, is about l learning about my role as leader. Um, and I, you know, I must lead and she will follow. And I mean this spiritually. And before I share about my part on this topic, I'm going to ask my wife to share about the big S word in this conversation. I'm going to say this. I just feel like to throw like a big potato on me and talk about in front of you about submission. That's a topic that is avoid or we have, there's a lot of controversy a lot. So we rather go to ignore it or speak and then have no good results at the end of the conversation. So, but let's see what the Word of God says in Ephesians 5.22. Wives, submit yourself to your own husband as you do to the Lord. And I'm going to read it again. Wives, submit yourself to your own husbands 
as you do to the Lord. I want to speak really to you directly, sisters, and I'm going to open my heart. For me, becoming a submissive wife was not easy at all. I didn't have any button on me that, boom, submission already, right? So it took a lot of prayer. So in order for me to, to follow my husband's leadership, I have to understand what the Word of God says about my role as a wife. But more important than understanding, I needed to have a deep relationship with Jesus Christ. And I need to depend on the Holy Spirit to guide me in those moments when my flesh was about to explode and say, no, I can lead too. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to also mention Genesis 2, 18. And I'm going to repeat, this is the word of God. And says, says that I am created to be a helper. That's what the word of God says, that I am created to be a helper. And at the beginning of my marriage, I have a lot of trouble accepting that role. I saw it as I, I can do way more. So I saw it like I'm having a less value or I don't know, he's going to look down on me if I'm not a leader also. Uh, but that mentality came from a very worldly perspective. And that's what the word does, right? So he, the, the word messed up with our definitions. And, and later, you know, it comes so hard to understand what the word of God says. Because we interpret it with... Uh, what the, not, not with the Holy Spirit, I mean, we interpret it with what, or reference from the world. That's what I want to say. But in order for me to become a submissive wife, uh, I needed the help of another godly woman in my life. And, I'm, and no, more than one, a couple, nice ladies pouring in my life, praying with me, talking with me. And I needed to read more about the subject. And I have this book that I want to recommend to you. Um, in my opinion, it's a must to sisters if you want to read it. It's called Help by the Sign. Helper by the Sign. And it's by Elise Fitzpatrick. I hope I'm pronouncing her last name correct. <laughs> and I learned a lot of things about this book and... I want to mention three things that I learned about what submission is not. And submission is not only for wives. Husbands are also called to be submissive to Christ. Submission does not mean that I am inferior to my husband. God created us equal in his image. He just gave us a different role. And I'm going to say there is a lot of blessing on being a helper and being the wife that I enjoy now. And the third one is submission does not mean that I always have to agree or do everything that he says or he does. 
So that's a very important one because there is a line in the everyday life when, when you have your own um, will to do things, right? And I also want to share how I became more submissive. It was like practicing every day and, and asking myself some questions, deep questions, and having conversation with my husband about my feelings. One of the questions was, if I have a problem with submission, my problem is with you or is with God obeying his word? What's really the root of this problem? A second question was, why God want me to be submissive? Why God? And I understood that Jesus did not ask me to do something with him, doing it, doing it first. How do you say that? So he did it first. That's what I want to say. He was submissive first. And he was humble first. Yeah, Jesus. So I want to encourage you really to talk to your husband about this. If you are struggling, you don't have to work everything in your mind alone. That's why we have a marriage that we can grow and cultivate a relationship in, in our struggles. Thank you, Helen. Um, Ephesians 5.21 says, Submit to one another out of reference for Christ. So, Yes, the wives are called to submit to the husbands, but we are called to submit also to others, including our spouses, and obviously to Jesus Christ. How can I expect to, for my wife to be submissive to me when I'm not willing to submit to Jesus Christ? That doesn't make sense. I cannot just take that part of the Bible and not take the other part of the Bible. When my wife says, you know what, this is what I think we should do, this is what I would like us to do, but I will follow your lead, that puts a lot of responsibility in my shoulders to make a wise and a spiritual decision. So I better go to Christ, I better go to the Holy Spirit, I better go to the Father and ask for wisdom so I can make the right choices for our marriage. The unfortunate thing is that there are things that we stumble, there are obstacles that we get in, um, along the way, and that is called sin. There's pride, there's selfishness that we have to deal with, and that's, those are those, some of the things that we need to take out of our hearts. The third item that I wanted to bring up as part of cultivation is my marriage is not for my happiness, but it's about God's holiness. It's for his glory, right? It does, that's, it, this doesn't mean that we are going to be holy and unhappy. That's not the purpose, right? But we have to be looking at him. He created this, he created marriage for his glory. As a result of we having a, a solid relationship with him, we will have uh, contentment in our relationship. We will have fulfillment in our relationship. God calls me to die to myself and live for his purpose. In Matthew 4.19, he said, follow me, Jesus Christ said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. My life is not just for us to live together and to be happy and to go golfing and to travel the world and just to raise our kids. There is much more that we are called to do, and that is make disciples who make disciples. I need to be a disciple first before I can make other disciples, and 
that is what I need other men involved in my life. Why I need that. God puts those individuals in my life for that purpose. When I changed my focus from looking at me and looking at what he wanted to do in my life and what she needed, things started changing tremendously, dramatically in my life. So how am I supposed to help others, other men to become disciples if I'm not one? I need other men involved in my life, and I need other couples as well involved in my life. So am I surprised that I think that I don't need other men in my life? There's a big problem there, right? How about you? Are you honoring God with your marriage? How are you doing that? And that concludes our cultivation topic. Well, thank you, guys. Um, and you guys did great. See, you're, you're pro speakers, aren't they? So if you're at home, give them a hand. Um, I love their heart. Um, and just this is such an important topic. What I want to end with is the, the final C. Uh, and this this idea of enjoying your marriage, this companionship we have. And one of the most beautiful, deep verses on marriage, it's my favorite around marriage for those reasons, is Genesis 2, verse 25. And so if we live out our marriage with what God has designed it to be, not using the world's definitions and, and let that pollute it, but truly understanding what God has for us and having it founded on the restoration and work of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit working in me and through me. When we do that, we can live out that charge in Ecclesiastes 9.9. Enjoy your wife all the days of your life. Enjoy your spouse all the days of your life. In this verse, Genesis 2.25, it says, They were both naked and felt no shame. They were not embarrassed. They were fully exposed, vulnerable, because of the beauty of God and everything that he created them to be. They felt no shame. They were safe. They were free to be them, everything God created them to be, and for that marriage to be. That's what he has for you. And on this Valentine's Day, we want to bless you. We want to bless your marriage. We want you to stand in the gap for marriages that you know are in trouble. So I'm going to invite you to do something, okay? Uh, most of you are at home, and I'm going to guess you probably haven't even showered yet, right? <laughs> so here's what I'm going to ask you to do, okay? I want you, if your spouse is in that room with you, go over to them. And I want you to grab their hand, I want you to stand before your television, your computer, your phone, whatever it is. Stand there. If your spouse isn't there, they might be working, or maybe they're still sleeping. I don't know. You stand on behalf of your marriage. I want to invite you, if you're one of those that is not in a marriage, has influence in a marriage, that you would stand up on behalf of somebody you know who's struggling. They're in that battle for their marriage right now. You stand on their behalf. And I'm going to ask Pastor Paul and Kathy to come and just pray a blessing over your marriage.
So stand now. Grab a hand. Pastor Paul, Kathy, will you just bless marriages and then would you close us out? Gracious Heavenly Father, we are just so thankful for who you are, the source and the very being of love and grace and mercy and peace and all the things that we so desire for our marriages. Thank you, Father. Um, thank you for the wonderful sharing that's been given this morning and the ideas of just um, how we live this out in a solid and godly marriage that brings honor to you because that surely is our, our desire to honor you above all and then to honor and love our spouses. Uh, give us um, your insights. Help us to cherish one another. Um, thank you in Jesus' name. And Lord Jesus, I pray for those marriages that are struggling. Perhaps they've not been attending church, studying your word, and probably not praying together every day. Those are foundations for a strong marriage, Lord. And we thank you for what the Angelos shared about Ephesians 5.21, outserving one another. And God, we just pray if there's any spirit of unforgiveness, pride, rebellion, lust, covetousness, selfish ambition. In any of the marriages that are within the sound of this service, that they would reconsider and that they would yield themselves, submitting themselves to your love for the example that you set for all of us. So God, we just praise you and thank you for this privilege. Thank you for Scott's message. We just pray all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you, brother. Love you. Amen, amen. Well, North Shore, uh, we're going to close out with this. we got this amazing resource. Know that for marriage, North Shore, we are with you and we are for you. And so I'm going to ask the marriage team uh, to just tell us a little bit of some things that they have that you could plug into. And if you need prayer today... Uh, and most of you are online, so uh, there should be a link to a Zoom call. There's pastors online. You go to them. Do not walk out these tensions and struggles in marriage alone. We're with you. We just want to invite everyone in our congregation and anyone, like Pastor Paul said, within the sound of this service. We've got a class coming up starting next Sunday, the 21st of February. It'll be at 11 o'clock online on Zoom. It's a video and a book series, and it's You and Me Forever, Marriage in Light of Eternity. And this is open to married couples as well as couples who are hoping to be married. This is great information uh, to get you started on your journey to a marriage that brings glory to God. So the 21st of February, 11 a.m., it's, it's on Zoom, and it's got video, and there's great conversation with other couples who are participate in it as well. The study itself is free. The book, we'd like you to purchase at least one per couple, and the link is on our website and on our app, so you can find that information there. We encourage you to join us next Sunday for that study. We also want to um, invite you to reach out to us. We have resources. We, we would like uh, to invite you to conversations, to mentorship, and just you know have someone else uh, involved in your life. If you feel like you are in your need, of someone pouring into your life, you know, reach out to us, reach out to our pastors. We have a, a you know, the, the resource, the most important resource is that we have the, the heart and we have the time 
to invest in you. And if you feel like you are a very strong couple, that you are solid, and you know, we can also use your talents. God gave you talents. God has been preparing you to be where you are at this point. So um, maybe God is calling you to start pouring your life into someone else. You, uh, you were called to be disciples that make disciples. So uh, what, a better, what a better way than investing your marriage into another marriage. And you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be um, willing, and you just have to be one step ahead. That is all. Yes, just remember that we all have something to pass to another couple. We all have grace to pass to another couple and let's spread the love big uh, some English yeah as you can see eh, but mostly Spanish as well so we have resources that way as well in Spanish good awesome a great resource love you North Shore happy Valentine's Day stay warm God bless you <laughs>